A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey y'all, Ryan Sprague here. As you all know, the Somewhere in the Skies podcast is always free to consume, but it isn't free to create. That's why I've started the Somewhere in the Skies Patreon campaign. On a monthly basis, you give what you think the show is worth. You'll be helping the show continue, grow, and to be something truly communal. And remember, there are rewards for each level of contribution, and the list is only growing. So please, help Somewhere in the Skies now by becoming a patron. To contribute and to learn more, visit www.patreon.com backslash somewhere skies. Thank you for your support. And now, on with the show. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. Welcome to Somewhere in the Skies. I'm your host, Ryan Sprague. By the time you'll be hearing this, I'm on my way home from AlienCon, which took place this past weekend in Pasadena, California. It was an incredible event where I was able to reconnect with old friends and colleagues, meet new ones, and ask new questions about the UFO phenomenon and the ever-present question of whether or not we're alone in the universe. I got to spend some valuable time with my good friend and now colleague, Dean Aliotto. I also got to see some really cool panels, including one on The X-Files, which featured David Duchovny and Mitch Pileggi. All in all, the weekend was just so much fun, and I had a blast. And the turnout for my presentation was much more than I ever could have anticipated. So that was pretty cool, too. I was able to conduct some interviews between all the craziness, And I'll be sharing all of that with you in the very near future. But for now, let's get to this week's interview. He is no stranger to the show. You may remember him from our two-part series, Somewhere in the Whiskey. Yep, that's right. Today, I'm sharing a great interview from the archives with MJ Benias. We hear all about how he got involved in UFO studies, his thoughts and theories on the topic, and what role philosophy truly plays in the grand theater of the mind we call UFOs. I hope you enjoy. My origin story, um, you know, when I was starting out, you know, I did a lot of stuff in sort of the local community when it came to paranormal investigations and stuff like that, like ghost hunting, whatever, you know, the occasional, uh, the occasional Bigfoot or Wendigo kind of thing. I'm in Canada, so, you know, we, we don't really have... We have Bigfoot here, but they're mm-hmm. not really, you know, we're more Wendigo people where I'm from. But, um, you know, did that kind of stuff. And, you know, I found it great. And I found it fun, but I didn't find it sort of as, you know, what I, I... It wasn't my passion. 
I'd always been a fan of the X-Files and, and uh, Twilight Zone, and, and we had Outer Limits here in Canada, which was a, a cheesy version of the Twilight Zone. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it, it was terrific. But so really into that, and I just always was into the sort of culture of UFOs and um, I always found it interesting, um, the sort of mysterious and murky world that it is. And, you know, I met up with Chris Rakowski, who's, uh, you know, lives in the same city I do, and, and we started chatting. And, and I spoke to him before because I had a gentleman contact me concerning a, a, an abduction situation through the paranormal group that I was with. And it just sort of took off from there. We sort of built a friendship, and, uh, you know, I started reading some of his stuff, and I really started getting into it. And then I decided to start writing for myself because I think I, have, I had a lot to say about sort of the state of ufology, um, you know, where it is now. I mean, it's mm-hmm. something that's been around for a long time and, you know, hasn't made significant progress in 60-something years. You know, I don't know. So... I guess my perspective is trying to bring that fresh new look, fresh new examination into the world that is the UFO. Right, right. Yeah. And we'll definitely get into that uh, state of ufology throughout this conversation, MJ. It's funny you mentioned that sort of Chris kind of took you under his wing. I had a similar experience with Peter Robbins here in the U.S., the UFO researcher. Yep. Um, and it seems like that's sort of how it goes, where you have, like, the young protege coming in and trying to, uh, you know, get what they can from the, the quote-unquote old guard of ufology. Um, not by any means pulling a Darth Vader of such, but, uh, you know, sort of taking what we can from the old guard of ufology, the history of UFOs, and move it forward. So we'll we'll definitely propel in that way. So when exactly did you start investigating UFOs and writing about them? What was sort of your first dive into UFO journalism, I guess? Writing about it has been really recent. Um, okay. I did a few UFO investigations, and, and I guess it was mainly abductions. Um, you know, Chris was really in, in where, where we are in, in Canada. Chris is really... Uh, the UFO guy, um, like he gets, I don't know, like Transport Canada sends him their files when they have UFO reports. Like he is Mr. UFO in this country. So he was really handling that stuff. It was more every once in a while, you know, we would get an abduction case and, and he would sort of route it to us because ultimately, you know, who has the tech and the equipment to investigate potential abductions but you know ghost hunters right we have ir cameras we have um emf detectors you know we had all that stuff right so um you know we started dealing with with uh, some people who had who had alleged abductions um you know and that was that was that was all well and good and and you know for personal reasons i, I sort of had to leave that kind of world behind whether it was just uh it was it was you know kind of getting a little too strange for me and and um some people were definitely latching on you know they wanted to be more than just you know a client mm-hmm. um you know they wanted sort of your friendship and and they wanted sort of psychological support and just like listen I'm not qualified at all to do this you know <laughs> so uh you know it kind of got a little sticky i guess about a year ago a little little longer a year ago um i decided to join mufon um so i became a mufon field investigator about a year ago, uh, and that sort of officially launched me into the world of actually investigating like actual UFO sightings in relation to just dealing with abduction cases. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I started writing probably a couple months after that, as I started to deal with some actual MUFON cases and, and how MUFON handled the UFO world um, and, and how uh, other investigators were working. And I guess, you know, I mean, honestly, as I kind of delve, delve deeper into the world, I started to have a lot of concerns, you know? You start to sort of see the, the, this field that you're really interested in, and it starts taking these awkward turns. And, you know, uh, I watched a lot of 
Hangar One. Uh, I think I commented on my blog once that it's my favorite. It's my favorite comedy uh, on television. You know, <laughs> and um, you know, that's kind of where I decided to start writing about it. Like, I am in I am in no way sort of some debunker or, or hardline skeptic, but um, I think that there's a lot. I think we, there's a lot of issues um, in in ufology, um, and I think Chris is the first one to say that you know there's there's some weird stuff going on out there, and and you know Chris is definitely a man of science. Um, and if it's not substantiated sort of by, uh, you know, extraordinary evidence, um, then that extraordinary claim isn't, you know, he's not going to pay much attention to it because, you know, we really need the, the scientific background and the scientific information there, the, the data. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, th- that you bring up a really good point. Um, and that sort of ties into something, MJ, I know you and I talked about um, and you touched on briefly in one of your blogs, which I'd also like to uh, talk about that as well, your new project you got going on. But sort of, I believe it was, um, it came up when I did an interview with actually Micah Hanks, our mutual colleague. Yeah. Um, and he brought up the issue of the difference between scientific study of ufology and more of a philosophical angle. Uh, yeah. This issue came... Um, came up after some quotes that he brought up from uh, hmm. some of the leading scientists out there. And I'd love to delve into this a little bit with you and get your thoughts. Do you see science or philosophy as one having more merit or so over the other when studying UFOs? You know, this is this is a massive question. I think this is what my blog is, is sort of try, is, is evolving into because okay. it started out with me just sort of, you know, talking about ufological phenomena or, 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 you know, cases or whatever, but it's very much becoming um, sort of, I think, these two juggernauts. And, and I don't think there necessarily is a separation between science and philosophy or theory. I think that they're kind of, they need each other, right? I think they need to sort of bolster each other because science without philosophy is, is, is meaningless. And I think philosophy without science is, is useless, right? Like they don't, they sort of, they really need to coexist. And, um, you know, Micah brought up during that, interview and i wrote a blog post about it. it it was it was a great interview because he he raised some interesting questions um in regards to you know can science really help us solve the ufo phenomenon and i would say you know when you look at facebook when you look at the forums when you look at, at all the websites right that deal with ufos it really we're dealing with a lot of philosophy and a lot of theology right a lot of the discussion is about belief it's not about actual data um and i think um you know at this point right now i think science is is sort of um is impotent in helping solve the ufo phenomenon right now um i think it is a big question of philosophy it's a big question of theory because um you know what can science really talk about when it comes to ufos right Mm -hmm. ufos don't follow and uh they don't follow patterns right they don't they can't they're not reproducible you know, in order for a claim that is to be scientific, it, it has to be reproduced, right? We have to prove that we can sort of recreate this event over and over and over again, test various theories against it, test various hypotheses, sorry, against it, and potentially get an answer to what this thing is, right? UFOs don't do this, right? And I think science, and I think the reason why there's this massive UFO taboo out there, right? Why science doesn't talk about it and why, you know, people like you and me, Ryan, are cranks and crazies and lunatics um, <laughs> is because science can't can't provide an answer, right? And I think I think science is frightened by this, right? I think that there is genu- genuinely um, 
this underlying concern. I'm not saying scientists, you know, actually worry about this and they go to bed at night panicked about UFOs, but I think they, or I think the scientific community says, you know, listen, we can't really prove it. Um, and I think this puts a huge limit on science, right? Um, because UFOs, you know, aren't, they're paranormal, but they're not, right? You know, UFOs tend to leave once in a while trace evidence. Mm-hmm. You know, they show up on radar once in a while. Um, they, they leave imprints and, and depressions in the ground. Um, you know, they have, you know, crop circles, which, uh, you know, sometimes obviously are human made, but generally a lot of times there is sort of no explanation as to what caused them. Um, so one once in a while, we get this weird moment where we have all of this actual physical evidence, but science can't provide an answer as to what it is. And, and scientists, I think, hate I don't know as an answer. Um, so it's a lot easier to say it doesn't exist. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, we have – and that's not to say that scientists aren't interested. Yeah, no. they're probably not going to bed you know, with this conundrum no. keeping them up at night, but – uh, we both, I'm sure, have spoken to many scientists interested in the topic, but like you said, there is no repeated evidence for something like this. Once a UFO is spotted, it's gone in an instant. So how do you track that? Uh, how do you analyze data, and h- how do you repeat it? It's just, it's simply not the thing. And that's where, like you said, philosophy comes into into the uh, the realm of UFO studies, and the dreamers are the ones we sort of depend on. And that can be either a huge hindrance to the field, or it can be the only way to open it up for conversation. So it's, it's frustrating nonetheless, but uh, yeah, you bring up many good points. Um, in terms of of evidence or tracking on radar, MJ. There is a very interesting case that happened in your neck of the woods. Uh, I believe this was in 1967, uh, the famous Shag Harbor UFO incident. Um, are you are you at all familiar with this case? Oh, it, you know this is you know people call this Canada's Roswell, right? This is the <laughs> exactly. this is that that case that um, you know people give a lot of credit to i think because of the amount of investigation there was because of the amount of witnesses there were testimony from people on the ground civilians and people you know on navy vessels actual military officers you know people who were involved from sort of this whole massive uh, spectrum um it's it's a big case, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I personally, you know, I, I don't know what it is. We can talk about. It. I'd love to sort of get into this with you, <laughs> but you know, it is definitely one of those massive cases. And 1967 is this weird year for Canada. I gotta be honest. There are so many UFO reports and sightings and big cases in Canada in 1967. It was like something happened, like something exploded, and suddenly people were seeing UFOs and and things were crashing and and you know. There's a great case out of my neck of the woods uh, called the Falcon Lake UFO incident, uh, where a guy got burned by a UFO. I mean, there's wow. yeah, I mean, it, you know, left evidence, right? Trace evidence, and and it's one of those things. Um, yeah, great year for UFOs, and a great definitely incident the Shag Harbor UFO case. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, that's that's very interesting that you sort of had a flap in '67, and we we wonder why these things happen. I mean, look at 1947. You know, we yeah. didn't we didn't just have right. Roswell like many people think. I mean, we had the 
first quote-unquote modern ufology case being Kenneth Arnold. We had the Maury Island incident. And you wonder why. Why are these flaps happening in certain locations at this time? Is it some sort of mass hysteria? Uh, have we opened the consciousness of the possibility of UFOs, inviting it in? Um, in terms of Shag Harbor, right there, you have almost this return of the the Foo Fighters, these glowing yeah. orange orbs um, sort of descending into the waters in Canada. Um, so, yeah, what do, what do you think about the whole idea of a flap, MJ? I mean, this this comes and goes all the time in ufology. And What, what do you make of that? You know, it's it, flaps are, are these interesting things because, you know, it's tough, right? You know, all, are people actually seeing physical objects Objects in the sky, and and whatever is controlling these objects, assuming th- you know they're objects that are being controlled intelligently or whatever, you know, uh, uh, did they just kind of show up for for a few weeks or a few days or yeah. a few months or a year, and then suddenly they disappear? And and you know, are, are they you know kind of showing up and then deciding to hang out for a bit and then leave? Um, <laughs> or or is it like I, I don't want to say mass hysteria, but is, is it sort of a, a cultural? Um, I don't know a buildup of of thinking. Um, you know, people see re- people see articles and, and reports, and, and, and on the radio they hear reports about UFOs, and then they start seeing lights in the sky. So they think, "Well, I'm seeing one too," and you sort of get this progression of of visions of UFOs that that aren't necessarily there, or they're seeing something, but it's not you know intelligently controlled or anything. It's just you know a random natural phenomenon in the sky. Um, you know, I mean, it's. I find it tough to, to talk about the idea of a flap because I don't think I necessarily know where I stand on one, or or where I stand on the idea of of UFO flaps. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. um, it, it's a tough one. Yeah, it is. I mean, because, and, and who's to say they're all connected or disconnected? It's it's a case to case basis for sure. And, and I think the idea of the flap is is it's you know it's not a scientific idea, right? It's not something that we can sort of. Um, prove and reproduce yeah so right? it's very theological right like i think we're going to have a, a debate ab- about you know whether we believe in them or not right not necessarily whether they're actually occurring or not um, right. right yeah actually uh, exactly yeah. i mean again it's it, it's what it's not whether or not it's it's occurring you know yeah. um it, it is happening it's just a matter of what it is and that's again another struggle we all have and um we sort of try to lump it in to this idea because it's our way of um, dealing with it, you know, instead right. of from this could be from another dimension, another time, right. another world. Let's throw it all together in a nuts and bolts sort of way and say that these are quote unquote non human piloted craft <laughs> visiting our planet. I mean, it's a and, sweeping and, and, assumption to say the least. Oh, 100%. And, and I think that, you know, I think people, and I think this is the, a big reason why there is such a UFO taboo out there, right? Why the, the mainstream media, you know, whenever they report on a UFO sighting, there's always that kind of wry smile and the snicker, right, on the on the yeah. anchor's face or whatever, right? Um, I think that for, for people in general, right, we view sort of ourselves as, um, you know, we have complete control, in essence, over this planet, right? We are sort of the be-all and the end-all of... Um, intelligence on on this planet, right? You know, every single animal is generally, you know, we can control it. We can generally control Mother Nature once in a while. You know, if we need to move a river, we can move a river. Um, You know, if we need to build a a hill, we can build a hill. You know, once in a while, Mother Nature throws us a curveball, but she doesn't do it on purpose. You know, she just kind of is. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I think, you know, we as humans kind of think, you know, we kind of run the show here. And I think that the, the, um, the idea of something else, right, intelligently controlling objects in our skies, it's, I think it's generally quite a frightening concept, not just physically frightening, you know, we're afraid of being invaded or whatever other movie alien trope there is. Um, I think it, it really threatens our uh, sort of sense of, of control, and I think this is, uh, you know, something some philosophy that exists within us, right? Some some innate desire to be in control, to have power, mm-hmm. and I think the idea of uh, the the intelligent other, and not only that, uh, the intelligent other that also thinks the same way we do, in that you know I can be in charge, right? I have agency over the world around me. Um, you know, I can be in control. Uh, you know, it would be frightening to think that there's another um, group out there that isn't us but has free will and thinks and um wants to be in control of the situation and i think this is this is really problematic and i think you know when we kind of think about how people deal with ufos you know i don't i think people generally don't want to think there's something actually going on right we're okay to kind of believe in it and snicker about it and watch episodes of the x-files and star trek but we don't necessarily want to kind of deal with this potential 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 and i say potential i'm not saying there are there's anything out there but potential threat that you know there's another intelligence out there and we would have to sort of deal with this especially if if this other showed up on our planet and said you know we're going to share this place now i mean this for us would be like this would totally change everything um it would be an entire philosophical philosophical shift in thinking of uh you know what is uh our agency on this planet are we actually in control so I think, you know, when we talk about flaps and we talk about the science versus the philosophy of UFOs, I, I'm not sure if science really wants to deal with UFOs <laughs> because of the the potential um, we can't deal with this um, right. yeah. situation that would that would arise or could arise. And and like, like I said, it's not just physical. It's not a threat of invasion or whatever. It's like I said, I think it's it's more innate. It's more um, that that which drives us as humans on this planet, right? This this instinct to be in control. Exactly. I mean, and it says so much more about us than it does this potential other, other, <laughs> other, yeah, other. Exactly. Um, well, I mean, sort of dovetailing off of that, MJ, you you shared a video on your blog. Um, also, let's give the name of the blog. I don't think we've given it. It's no, let's uh, do a it's plug. due I need a course. Plug. <laughs> You need a plug. Yeah, let's let's do it. Um, you have a, a new blog that you're running with Chris, um, another Canadian UFO researcher. What's that called? Yeah, so our blog is www.terraobscura.net, uh, T-E-R-R-A-O-B-S-C-U-R-A.net. Um, I think you can Google us. We're like, we're not the first hit, but that's okay. <laughs> Terraobscura.net. And it's um, it's sort of where culture theory and high strangeness meet it's a a sort of a critical theory approach to ufology um so we sort of look at not necessarily uh the question of do you believe in ufos which i think is actually a waste of time uh really we're thinking we we talk about um why don't uh governments and uh, academics and scientists study ufos what are the the uh, what are the philosophies that exist behind uh, the lack of attention for UFOs. Uh, um, so, yeah, I hope people read. I, I realize I'm, I'm really enjoying writing it because it's it's definitely my academic background uh, mixing with um, UFOs, which are the coolest thing in the world. 
Yeah. <laughs> Agreed, my man. Um, well, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely love it. I get so excited when I see you posting something new. Um, so I definitely suggest listener, listeners check that out. Um, you did post on the blog uh, not too long ago about a video that UFO historian Richard Dolan um, was interviewed about disclosure. So let's yeah. sort of get into that quote-unquote potential of something coming to this planet, or if it already has. Um what do you make of the idea of disclosure? Like you said, it would be a complete paradigm shift, a perception shift. What do you make of the possibility of a disclosure of a non-human intelligence on our planet? So you're asking me. You're, you're asking me. I'm assuming there is something to disclose. That's let's what we're say. Assuming. Let's say they're assuming there is something to disclose. Um, whether that comes again forcefully by this intelligence to the planet, or for some improbable reason, some government body discloses the truth, which I think we can both agree probably will never happen. Um, what would that disclosure entail? What would it do to humanity? Right. So. You know, I think we, I think, I think, you know, Richard Dolan, you know, I, I love the guy. I think he kind of hits the nail on the head in his video of, of I think, what it would do politically. I think there would be uh, a lot of problems. I think you would have, as he mentions in his interview, you know, you would have this massive shift in, in, uh, you know, right, I think you'd have a right wing sort of fundamentalism occurring where people, you know, the heavy xenophobia, uh, you know, you know, there'd be, well, I think he said there'd be Occupy Area 51 or. <laughs> something like that i think that's a little silly but i think you know you would definitely have a lot of protest you would have a lot of um people saying you know go away right you know humanity doesn't want you uh and then i think you'd have the other side right you'd have people who would probably be willing to embrace um this uh reality that that you know we are simply a voice in a chorus of of uh others um that sort of occupy you know the same time and space we do let's say our universe or galaxy or whatever um so I think he hits the nail on the head there. I think for humans, though, in general, I, I don't think – I think, sorry, we would have, like, like I said before, this, this, this really fundamental upset mm-hmm. to the way we perceive ourselves. Um, you know, we kind of – you know, you and I are, are both Westerners. We grew up in North America. You know, a good Western liberal capitalist democracy, bless it, you know, um, for all of its faults. Um, and I think, you know, we – as we grow up in, in our little social world, you know, we go to school and, and our teachers tell us that, you know, you need to get a good job to be happy and, and you need to live your life uh, in, you know, in a, in a good capitalist way. And, and um, you know, you definitely don't want to work for Broadway because there's no money there. No, I'm just, taking, <laughs> just messing with you, buddy. Uh, uh, I'm, just, I'm just joking. Why, uh, Ayana? <laughs> I know. You know what? I mean, I say my, my, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of theater. Actually, my wife is is a theater major and, and oh, she's wow. an actor, so it's and, and she teaches and she teaches theater. So uh, you know, I'm I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm on your side. Don't worry. But you uh, you are you right. There's no money in it. But move. No, I know. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's why I do ufology. Have, exactly right. Because ufology makes us uh, oh buckets you know, yeah, of money. A good People living. Yeah, yeah, all those Google ads. Yeah, <laughs> at, at a what half a cent. Uh, right. Every thousand likes or hits. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think we would have this this horrible realization and and um you know the term i'm, I'm sort of that i have that i've been dancing around is something called anthro anthropocentrism which is um the idea that humans are um sort of 
the only things on this planet that have agency, right? You know, animals don't really, you know, we kind of control animals on this planet, right? Mm-hmm. And there's nothing really else, you know, God, you know, while I'm sure, you know, maybe there's a God, I don't know, but God probably has free will, but ultimately he doesn't really do anything. You know, he doesn't walk around on our planet and like, you know, send thunderbolts at us or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, humans are sort of that which control earth and and our world around us you know if we want it we can do it if we take enough money resources wealth treasure talent and throw it at a problem we can generally solve it Mm -hmm. um and i think that this the the idea of disclosure would upset this concept right we no longer be what's sort of the pinnacle of intelligence um there would be something potentially that is uh bigger smarter um better than us um, and and this is really i think frightening for people um and and humans aren't generally good with the unknown and the other anyway i mean you look at um you know racial issues or you look at issues you know uh with um you know terrorism out of the middle east or or or, or whatever right there are already problems on this planet that uh humans we generally we fear the unknown. We fear what we don't understand. We fear the other because we don't necessarily know how the other thinks. Um, and, and this would be compounded by a disclosure, right? Because, because then not only uh, are these others, they're not human others, right? They don't think like us. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't necessarily think the same important, you know, they don't think what we think is important is actually important. Um, so I, I think we would have this huge upset to the system, um, not only government and statutory um, I think personally and philosophically and, and it would really force us to question what our, uh, what our meaning is on this planet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, you, uh, you said it so succinctly, man. I mean, this, this phenomenon in general, uh, despite disclosure, it says so much more about us than whatever it actually is. And I find myself, you know, circling that conundrum constantly you know what is this ufo uh phenomenon um and how is that different from the quote-unquote ufo culture that we sort of self-proclaimed and seeded and seen go in so many different directions um there was a quote by uh james carrion who used to be I believe the executive director of MUFON. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I, I think. I, I'm personally not a member, so I, uh, I'm not too in tune with the history of MUFON. Um, but that being said, he once said that therein lies the problem uf- with ufology and ufologists. They race after every case, every witness, every shred of evidence, regardless of provenance, that will help prove what remains in their bucket but will ignore all evidence to the contrary. If we examine what the UFO bucket really is, it is an egocentric belief that we humans are so interesting and our planet so alluring that other civilizations, for any number of reasons, can't help but to visit us. (laughs) Very interesting quote. Um, The reason I pulled that out is because it sort of ties exactly into what we're talking about. You know, are we worth coming here and monitoring are we worth looking at for some sort of cosmic uh galactic federation as it were like you said we have so many issues here on our own planet if another intelligence is visiting um 
they're probably on their way out, man. I mean, sort of looking at what we're doing, they don't want anything to do with it. Again, this is all hypothetical. And- of course, yeah. You know, from you know, and it's funny because you know that same argument that the, the quote that you cited. You know, skeptics will often use this to their advantage too. They'll say, well, you know, they would have just made themselves known already, right? They would have landed on the White House lawn or something. Uh, you know, yeah. um, as if the. The United States is some bastion of like. Everything. <laughs> right. Sorry, no offense, America. I love you guys, uh-huh. uh, but you know, come on. Um, so you know, we have this. You know, both skeptics and believers. You know, say you know, all humanity. You know, the skeptics say they would have shown up already and they would have made themselves known. Here we are. You know, we're here to share wonderful technology with you. Welcome to the United Federation of Planets. Picard is you know on the bridge, <laughs> and you know the believers. I think you know, like you say, right? There's this fascination with you know. And maybe it's a fear. I don't know. We can't be alone, right? It's, it's this fear of loneliness. Um, but it's weird because, you know, humans, you know, we kind of want to be alone because we don't want something horrible to come and invade us and exterminate us. But we also, you know, don't we, we want them to also be kind of nice, too. Like, you know, we want, like, the beginning of Mars attacks, but we don't want the end of Mars attacks. You know, we want them <laughs> to show up and it's, be this beautiful ceremony and then, you know, all, all the guns come out, right? Um yeah. I think the quote is interesting, and I think that it came from a MUFON director is interesting, too, because I think MUFON, yeah, again, I, I disclaimer, I'm a member of MUFON. <laughs> I love MUFON. Thank you for letting me be, thank you for letting me be an investigator. Um, but I think MUFON, and, and, and I think the, the quote is, is correct in, in saying that, you know, every single single shred of evidence every single little piece is 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 made to fit into the puzzle right um and, and the problem is a lot of those pieces don't fit at all they're actually useless pieces they're they're um they're not even the right puzzle you're, you're you're borrowing pieces from other puzzles and you're jamming them into the ufological puzzle like you know how the kids right they make the puzzle pieces fit right they kind of put the pieces together and they start hammering it on with their fists um i think that's kind of what's going on and and i think i think mufon and mufon field investigators definitely play a role in this right yeah. um you look at the amount of MUFON field investigators who are who are believers themselves, right, or who have had experiences themselves that they want answers for. Um, you know, I would say a significant chunk of the ranks of MUFON are people who have had experiences or are believers already in intelligent beings, others visiting our planet, right? And I think that this is a dangerous position to be in because ufology is not a belief in alien life, right? And I think that this is what often gets muddied here. Exactly. Right? This is why in the news, you know, whenever you get interviewed uh, in the news, people, you know, the news anchor always asks, well, do you believe in UFOs? And it's like, well, what are you asking me? Right? Are you asking me, do I believe in things in the sky that people see and and they can't make sense of? Yeah, of course. It happens all the time. We all experience these weird lights in the sky or something. And then upon further research, we figure out, you know, oh, it's just the space station or it was a satellite or whatever. Um, Or upon further research, we have no clue at all what it is. Um, (laughs) and, And that's a UFO, right? And I think that the other side of ufology is this curious, you know, it's got to be aliens, man. It's got to be aliens. It's got to be aliens. And, and I go, I, this is not ufology. This is a belief in aliens and the other and, and interdimensional beings or ultra-terrestrials or whatever you want to call them. Hmm. And the two are, are clumped together and they shouldn't be. Um, and I think that one thing that definitely needs to happen is the separation, right? A separation of ufology into the study of unidentified flying objects or unidentified aerial phenomena and then the other side which is a belief uh, and a very much a theological belief in alien life um, 
because there is no science, right, to prove aliens really exist. There's no right. science to disprove it either. Right. Um, and, and, and I'm a full skeptic of science as much as I am of, of the belief, right? I, I don't think science is, is you know, necessarily um, this bastion of truth um, that, that we all hope it is um, and that our government tells us it is, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that there's definitely concern. And I think as a ufologist, Ryan, I'm sure you agree with me here, that, that you know, we kind of get lumped into this pile, right? And, yeah. and people, you know... Uh, and ask like oh what do you do and you know i have my job and then you know i also kind of you know study ufos and i'm into that kind of thing and people go oh yeah ufos man the aliens they're here right and you're just like oh man no <laughs> why yeah. is this happening to me you know and i have to have this conversation with everyone i meet right now well you know you know a ufo isn't necessarily alien it could be a lot of things and you yep. kind of get trapped yeah oh that is the first thing i say to everyone you know when they say what do you do yeah. with ufos yeah it's okay well, i'm not talking about aliens i'm talking about ufos that's right <laughs> huge distinction um and it's hard to separate people's minds from that we've been so conditioned by either hollywood or um you know these quote-unquote real documentaries we see and it yeah. all sort of ties into the mainstream you know i mean <sighs> I guess a lot of UFO researchers, myself, and I, I am guessing you included, we've been taken to task for saying that the mainstream media is beginning to take these topics more seriously now more than ever. Um, what are your thoughts on the perception of the UFO phenomenon in the eyes of the mass public? Like you just said, we get this all the freaking time. Um, yeah. are, are we seeing a shift in consciousness or is it just some more you know, media brainwashing in a sense? Not to get too conspiratorial, but... A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Oh, well, is that... I'm not, I wouldn't say I like conspiracies, but I, you know, I think the media just reacts to us, you know, and, and whatever we think, right? So, gotcha. you know, the media kind of bounces off the public, and the public kind of bounces off the media, and we're sort of in this weird symbiotic relationship. But, um, you know, it's really tough, right? It's really tough because I think social media has played a huge role in the UFO world, right? Everyone watches youtube everyone goes on well not facebook is that still a thing people still go on, i still go on facebook but i know like young people don't right yeah. I, you know everyone's on twitter and instagram and, and um you know access to this information is hugely out there you know uh, much more than before yeah. and i think the media like the mainstream media like you know cnn fox all those uh, i don't know what else there is what are other media channels cnn and fox are kind of the demons of, of the media world right we always have to pick on them i think that 
when we really look at this, the, the, the way the media perceives the UFO as a thing, as an object, it's this weird mix of um, one, people who watch CNN and Fox <laughs> to <pick> on them, <laughs> tend to be, you know, believers, right? Or they believe in, in some of this, you know, some of these more paranormal things, you know, whether it's ghosts or, or Bigfoot or um, Chupacabra, whatever's out there, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think, you know, CNN and Fox is potentially catering to numbers sometimes when it comes to media coverage of UFO reports. But again, you know, you look at the bulk of UFO stuff, it doesn't get covered at all, right? It's only when it's in some big way. You know, um, Tom DeLonge, right? Blink-182, you know, yep. when he started doing his, he got tons of coverage, right? Because you have a celebrity talking about UFOs, which is kind of weird. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, I'm sure there's a lot of celebrities out there that have UFO fascinations. They just can't talk about them, right? Because of the taboo. It is, it's, you know, apart from him, because, you know, he, he's a punk rocker. And, and I think that he's allowed um, socially to be into weird stuff because he <laughs> is a punk rocker, right? You know, Taylor Swift. I don't know if she has that freedom. I, I think, you know, it's very easy to get blackballed. It's yeah. very easy to kind of be put on the crazy person list. And then, you know, people start avoiding your phone calls. And, and then suddenly, you know, you're not getting any more gigs. And, you know, people stop paying attention to you because you're the UFO nut. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I don't really know how to answer your question properly because I don't know if the media is paying more attention or or because, you know, is the disclosure movement actually making headway? Like, <laughs> who knows, right? I mean, you never know. Crazier things have happened. But, you know, I, I don't necessarily think it's occurring because there is some massive shift in the way people think um, about UFOs. I think people... I think we're still sort of taught and trained, to use the conspiratorial term, I think we still sort of have this belief that UFOs don't exist, right? Or, or sorry, not UFOs, that intelligently controlled UFOs don't exist. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, they're tongue-in-cheek and therefore the X-Files and, and, and you know, the History Channel late at night. Um, and that's about it. Uh, right. So... Well, yeah, I mean, that that's a, a great way to put it. I mean, like, we could even go back to what you said of this fear of it yeah. being a possibility. So, of course, sort of ignorance is bliss in that sense. We'll leave the idea to Hollywood to uh, perpetuate these sort of fictionalized versions. Um, and that's a, you know, that's a terrific way of putting it, right? Ignorance is bliss. Because yeah. I, think, I think ultimately any state, like government, any, any state or any scientific organization, any, you know, university, whatever... Um, you know, if, if if there is no solution to the problem, right? If there is no f- fix, if we can't identify it, if we can't measure it or track it or trace it, the last thing we want to do is talk about it, right? Yeah. Especially, especially if it does have some physical properties, right? Especially if it does show up on radar once in a while, or it does interfere in, um, you know, operations that the government is concerned about, such as nuclear test sites or or nuclear facilities, rather, you know, if it does leave impressions on the ground or burn marks or whatever, right, if it leaves us trace evidence, but we can't understand it, it's a lot better to say it doesn't exist or or it's just lunacy in regards to being like, okay, we're going to study this and we have no freaking clue what we're studying, but we're going to try, you know, I I think the two have very different messages, I think, politically, right? Yeah. One is they don't exist. We don't have to deal with it. Fine, move on. And the other one is, you know, listen, we're, our job is to maintain power uh, as a government. 
government or as a you know as as a scientific body or whatever. We're here to maintain control and and we're here to make sure everything makes sense. And and we can't make sense of this. The I don't know is frightening, right? It's one of the most frightening things someone can say about something, right? I have no idea what's going on is terrifying, especially to people um, and the general public, right? This would be like I said, upsetting. Yeah. Uh, it would be a very awkward moment if, you know, Barack Obama <laughs> walks out and says, yeah, listen, we've been studying UFOs for a while and we, we have no clue what they are. I think this would be an, an awful moment. Um, CNN would be having a heyday. Yeah. It would be great. Yeah. And I mean, the, the whole the whole idea of that we don't know, MJ, it, it sort of boils down to if some governmental agency, intelligence agency, or the military, um, again, we like to lump these things together, but they're so compartmentalized, you can't even imagine. Um, That being said, if the government doesn't know what's going on, um, they at least have the power to contain that information they do have, maintain it in a way that they see fit. And, you know, we sort of run into that problem time and time again. Um, And I guess it sort of boils down to, you know, those of us who seriously study UFOs, are we going to stand up for what is actually true when it comes to this? Uh, No matter what that truth may be. It might not be the answer we want. It might not be the answer the believers want, nor the skeptics. It could be something completely different, far stranger than we ever imagined. Or it could be as mundane as, you know... (laughs) all weather anomalies are natural phenomena. Um, You know, that's a huge stretch, but when it comes down to it, I think we have a crucial decision. You know, do we we actually want to solve the UFO mystery or do we want to continue to to sort of perpetuate it? It's it's fascinating, and it says more about, like, the society and culture than anything. Yeah, but, you know, it's it's one of those things. I think, I think if there was a legitimate disclosure, like, let's, you know, let's assume the government has been actively studying UFOs in some top secret fashion that, that you know, only they know about, right? Yeah. I don't think they need to. I honestly don't. I think that, you know, we kind of recap ourselves in, in the UFO phenomenon, just in the way we sort of ourselves live our life, right? You know, like I talked about before, right? We have sort of have this general fear of the other and, and you know, an, an intelligent other that isn't human would be even worse. So I think we, we're kind of, we're fine ourselves to maintain some sort of mystery or lie if there is one. But, um, you know, if assuming or, or for argument's sake that the government is actually hiding some top secret study of UFOs, you know, and that was released and said, yeah, here's all all of our files and it was done honestly like here's actually everything we have there's no bodies in some area 51 basement or there's no ships or anything we're just you know we have been studying and we don't have an answer yeah. right these things show up and they do whatever they want and then they leave and, and there were you know we can track them once in a while and and that's it but they're gone as quick as they come i think if that happened and then suddenly you know you had academic you know academic schools universities you know scientific organizations whatever start picking up these studies and actually scientifically studying them, I think a lot of you, I think ufologists would be out of a job, you know, I think because what would happen is, is, is it would leave the realm of ufology, right? It would become a general science. And I don't think that because the vast majority of ufologists out there, um, the vast majority, you know, aren't in any way scientifically trained or aren't in any way um, philosophically trained. You know what right, I mean? Like right. the, the vast majority of us are, are just people who just kind of picked it up as, as a hobby. And this hobby became this horrible monster, which became our life. And then suddenly, you know, we've identified, uh, you know, ourselves as, as being ufologists. Um, I don't necessarily think, you know, we would be the ones who would be hired, you know, like yeah. would, would, would suddenly, you know, the, you know, you know, would suddenly 
MIT be like, okay, yeah, we're going to start studying UFOs. Uh, so, you know, ufologists, all of you guys who've been studying UFOs for the last 30 years of your life, you know, please apply. Like, I right. don't think that would happen. <laughs> right? They would send it to their in-house trained engineers and, and scientists, biologists, chemists, you know, physicists, whatever. And, and it would be done as an actual scientific study um, with their, with, with sort of their people, right? The, the people who are within this elite scientific community. Um, so, you know, I, I think what would stop happening is, is ufo experts showing up on history channel uh to be interviewed right i think that would that would, that would exactly, end right? yeah. the, the the reign of the ufo expert would would probably collapse um because it's no longer a mystery right it's now something that's studied yeah. by the general sciences well put i mean e- Look at any government investigation into UFOs to date. They all came back with the same conclusions of, uh, we don't know what's going on. What we do know is that it is not a threat to national security. And when it comes down to it, that's, <laughs> that's what they deem an answer, a conclusion. Like this, this isn't threatening us. Therefore, we're no longer going to investigate it, pump millions of dollars into it. So yeah. you make a good point. It's, it's a fantasy that we would be the ones called upon when this all happens but let's be honest you know i'm a playwright living in new york city you know i i bartend at night that's what i do yes i i'm absolutely fascinated by ufos uh i make it my second job because i yeah. love it and i have a passion to find answers but they're not gonna call me uh when it comes down to it to be like what do you know uh, exactly right because ultimately you know the, the facts that we have you know i would i would say aren't facts right i exactly. think they're i think they're theological or philosophical beliefs I, I i don't think we have really a lot of hard data and again you know yeah. people will disagree with me right mufon i think would be one of the first groups to say you know what mj you are <laughs> fired messed up look at look at look at that's right eh? um look at our case management system look at all that data and i would say you know maybe you know maybe that's data right um, but but, but I, honestly, MJ, what has that done? And I'm, that's not a slight against MUFON. You look at like no. New Fork. You look at all of these reporting centers throughout the years. What has their data actually done to further the study of UFOs? We we always hear nothing has changed in the past fifty years. Um, I, I tend to disagree with that. I think you know. Um, any new information is uh, quote-unquote good information. There has been some progression in terms of what the what UFOs are not. Um, yeah. But uh, it, it's, it's frustrating, you know. Um, we have all these investigations by MUFON, but then what? What, what, what happens from there? Yeah, and, and, and you know, that's... That's that's a big question, right? That is the, that is the big question. Yeah. Like, why hasn't anything changed? Why hasn't ufology been able to break through into some sort of standardization or into maybe some sort of academic sphere? Or why hasn't been it been able to sort of puncture into the mainstream sciences? Like, what is going on, right? Yeah. And I think that that's that's and again i'm gonna plug my blog again i think that's kind of what my blog is is trying to address right it's not necessarily oh do you believe in ufos or what are ufos because i'm not sure if that's a question we can currently answer right we don't necessarily have the science right now to be able to get to a solution because science requires reproduction and testing you know ufos don't do this right um but they do leave physical evidence behind sometimes which is kind of this weird this is what makes the mystery even better right you know um it, they leave stuff behind once in a while, right? <laughs> and um, and I think that really where ufology needs to go uh, away from uh, from sorry 
not away from. I think it needs to employ science. I think ufology needs science behind it, but I think it, it needs a lot more theory, a lot more critical theory, a lot more philosophy. It needs this um, questioning of um, why are scientists and governments not officially and publicly looking into the phenomenon of UFOs, right? I think this is, you know, critical theory for all the listeners who don't know what it is. It, is it's a, it's a branch of philosophy that studies sort of the power systems that are in place in our world, right? So stuff like uh, Western liberal democracy, capitalism, communism, feminism, gender studies, whatever, all that stuff is clumped into to cultural theory or cultural uh, studies and, and critical theory. Mm-hmm. I think ufology is definitely needs to be studied in this way. Um, so what is preventing the state and what is preventing the scientific community from actively looking into UFOs? And why are scientists and um, government of officials and anyone who is actively trying to push for this study, why are they being blackballed or why are they sort of being laughed at and why do anchors, news anchors on, on Fox News and CNN snicker every time a UFO story pops up, right? And, and why is it okay? Like, why does the general public, why do just you, me, and, and Joe Sixpack sort of deem it okay that, that the study of UFOs is not acceptable, right? Why is it lunacy? Yeah. And, and I think that this is, this is the big question, you know, um, and, I, and I don't know if science uh, is, is where it needs to be for us to actively study UFOs properly. Mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, if, if time and energy was actually put into it, right, if, if, if scientific communities were actually given funding to study UFOs, if they were actually um, given the opportunity and the state actively did it, you know, I think this would be a different, I think it might be a different beast. You know, Blue Book didn't work. Granted, a lot of state-run UFO investigations didn't work, but a lot of people would say they were already, when they first were first created, kind of kneecapped by the people who were running them. Right? I mean, yeah. you know, you read Heineck. You know, I love I love Heineck and, and his work, and he talks about when he worked on Project Blue Book. You know, every single um, military officer he worked with was a junior level officer. They were all like majors and captains. Like they didn't have a single colonel, a single general. Okay, they had a lieutenant colonel, but you know, they had all these junior <laughs> officers who could. They couldn't requisition, requisition a car half the time to go visit a witness, right? The, the, right. the government, like the, the military just wouldn't give them funding to be like, okay, yeah, listen, I need to borrow a, a company car for a couple hours. <laughs> Sorry, you can't, right? And it's like, well, if you're going to kneecap it before it even starts, then this is, you know, we're not going to get anywhere. And I think that this is kind of where we're at, right? It's this taboo subject of nobody really wants to talk about it um, and nobody wants to study it, but I think there's a lot of interest in it and I think there's a lot of people who are probably concerned about it. I mean, you know, if we go to the nth degree to the belief let's go to the believer's side for a second, right? And we go full, <laughs> full out uh, yeah, let we go out full out, you know, they're here all the time visiting us and they do it you know, this is concerning, right? I think that this is freaks a lot of people out because they can do whatever they want and there is no way of stopping them, yeah. right? Uh, and this is really problematic. Assuming, you know, that's what's going on. I, you know, again, for argument's sake, I, I don't want to talk about my personal beliefs because, you know, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in the same, in the same vein, MJ, um, we know that just like any sort of fringe or esoteric topic, uh, there are those who claim to be experts, uh, and we know full well that's complete bullshit. I mean, I, I can honestly say straight up that when it comes to UFOs, I have, without hesitation, stated 
that I do not know what they are, and I do not know what they represent, um, yet we are the ones who are considered UFO quote-unquote experts. Um, we both know that's utter nonsense. We have no clue, but that doesn't mean I'm going to stop trying to find answers. And I, I guess my <laughs> my convoluted question in this, uh, who who do you turn to? for the most credible and beneficial information. Who out there in the UFO quote-unquote field inspires you? Who, who Someone that you could steer us towards, I guess. Ryan Save Sprague. us. Help us. Ryan, Ryan Sprague. Ryan oh, Sprague. my God. Stop. No, I'm just... I'm just <laughs> um, you know, God, you know, that's such a tough question, right? Because, it you know, is. I think... That, I, I can tell you who inspires me, but I don't necessarily think they're right. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, I can tell you who I think is is um, they're great writers. They're great. Uh, they have a lot of knowledge on the subject of of, of sightings. And, and I think I mentioned this in one of my blog posts. Uh, this idea of the expert, right? What makes an expert an expert? Um, it's all ideology, baby. But we can. That's, that's a later. That's a later auxiliary episode. Heck yeah. uh, the, the problem with the expert. Is is we're all kind of experts in what we don't know, and I think that's what that what the UFO phenomenon is, right? We we have no idea what's going on, and anyone who says they do uh, is crazy. Um, sorry, no offense to everyone <laughs> who thinks they know what's going on, but I'm going to call it you're crazy um, because there is no evidence to support anything uh, of what's actually going on. We have stories and we have uh, some evidence once in a while, but that doesn't prove anything, right? It doesn't prove you know that they're from another dimension or that they are intelligent or they are, uh, you know, from this particular star system or whatever. Um, you know, the people I really listen to and the people I really read, um, you know, th- there's a handful. Um, okay. I'm excited for Somewhere in the Skies, that's for sure. Um, because I think, you know, your your potential book, I mean, I don't know anything about it, but I, I only know the heading and the sub or the subtitle, uh, which is, you know, a, a, hu- a, a human, what is it, a human exploration? Uh, human ap- Something alien? No, uh, approach. Yep, human approach to an alien phenomenon. Yeah, and, and you know, it's beautiful because that, that is kind of where we're at, right? It's a human approach to something that is totally other and totally alien. We don't have any idea. So I think, you know, I'm really looking forward to that one. Well, um, thank you. Send, me, send me a copy. Absolutely. Uh, I'll, I'll Amazon it otherwise. Um, <laughs> I really like Micah Hanks. I like Micah Hanks because I think he kind of follows a lot of the same sort of mentality, you know, potentially you and I follow, right? Right. Something is going on. I think we kind of can hit that nail on the head, right? Something strange is going on. We just have no clue what it is. And I think that that's kind of my position as well. Um, You know, do I think UFOs are things in the sky that people can't identify? Yes. Um, Do I think that there's anything, you know, do I think they're aliens or, you know, or do I think that it's interdimensional beings or whatever? I don't know, right? I I don't know at all. And I think that that is kind of the best position to take in ufology um, because you can't prove anything otherwise. Yeah. So I would say, you know, Micah Hanks is this great kind of uh, public, very public character in, in the UFO world, right, um, who actively kind of promotes this message, right? You know, ufology is not about, specu- is not about speculating as to, you know, the star system or, or, the, or the type of, uh, you know, warp drive these vehicles have or whatever. It's not about that, right? It's, it's about sort of why are people seeing these things and, and, and um, you know, can we ever find an answer? So I, I do like Micah Hanks. I like his Graylian report. I, I, I do really enjoy that show. Um, I think Richard Dolan, um, on a historical aspect, this guy kind of knows everything. It's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I, I'm right now cutting through his um, his recent book, his UFOs for the 21st Century Mind. Yes. Um, you know, 
I think I think as like uh, it's almost like a, an encyclopedia, right? It's this general overview of ufology since its sort of inception, and I think it's great. I think that you no, know, obviously, it deals with a lot of cases and it deals with a lot of speculation at times. Oh, yeah. um, and that's really fine. I mean, that's that's the point of the book, though, right? It's to offer this overview of the world of UFOs. Um, you know, do I necessarily agree with some of some of Mr. Dolan's sort of other opinions in regards to what the UFOs are or, or who is driving the UFOs, let's say, or flying them? You know, I'm not sure if I necessarily buy into all that. But um, I think that from a historical sort of um, solid, you know, well-researched ufological side, I think he's great. Um, you know, and there's there's tons. I guess Sam and Shannon at, uh, at Into the Fray love them. I gotta be honest. I didn't know much about Bigfoot before, and now I know more about Bigfoot than I care to. to, to <laughs> Isn't that um, crazy, man? I'm the same way, you know. Yeah, and it's funny, hey, like because I think I think Bigfoot is, is sort of similar to UFOs, right? Yeah. In, in that you know he's kind of mysterious. He shows up or she shows up whenever he or she wants, and then you know once in a while they leave evidence, right? They leave a footprint kicking around every once in a while, yeah. or you know, and you go, oh, that's kind of interesting, you know. <laughs> but the problem is, you know, I'm not sure if, if Bigfoot could invade the planet and and you know enslave us in some sort of you know cocoon like yeah. race where we just you know, are mindless zombies <laughs> um you never know you never know those bigfoot um yeah there's so many people out there but i guess the consistent ones you know i just mentioned uh yeah. chris Ridkowski, obviously you know absolutely as a canadian ufologist the guy is the guy is definitely a man of science he is not he does not sort of he doesn't enjoy whimsy and he you know like no, he, he, he has does fun, not. <laughs> but he is like this is like this is what we know, and 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 it's this tiny sliver, and everything we don't know is this you know Titanic of a uh, of a beast that is just you know waiting around, and then like we know nothing about what's going on, but you know something weird's going on, right? So right. I definitely have to give props to Chris. Chris, Chris is. Fa- I have to add, MJ. I mean, Chris has called me out on bullshit so many times, and that's what we need. We need someone there to sort of rein us in when they can see we're getting a little too out there. You know, For sure. um, when you and I. Uh, again, we're on the younger side. We're sort of we're, we're we're still stumbling. We're trying to find our way in this this field. And um, when we have people like Chris, uh, like Dolan, to sort of pull us back in and remind us, like you know, go back to the facts, look at the history, and then move forward. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've been wrong, and you have to be willing to admit that. And I think someone like Chris or or Dolan, like th- these are people who are willing to do that. Um, oh, for and, sure. You know, and that's such a great way to uh, to approach it. And you know, Dolan being my publisher and Micah having written the foreword for my book, I'm so happy that you brought those two up. It makes me feel more comfortable moving forward with my own research. Um, well, yeah, I, I mean, you know, there's there's very few voices in the field of ufology that I would say sort of are this middle ground, right? Right. We we admit to saying, yeah, you know what, there is something strange going on, but we aren't prepared to kind of drink the Kool-Aid and go full out, you know, full out believer, disclosureist, you know, they're here, they have ships and, and their bodies are buried in, in Area 51. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there, yeah. there's this, this it, it needs a middle ground, I think. And I think that this is kind of where uh, you, myself, and some of these other people kind of rest. Uh, yeah. Because otherwise, everything else is speculation, right? We can only speculate. We can only speculate. And like, and the true research is going to come from those who aren't out there touting TV shows and books and this. Like, If people want to buy my book, great. If they want to read your blog, awesome. I don't expect that. I don't give a 
you know, I, I don't care how well the book does. This is what information I got, and this yeah. is what I want to give to the public. Uh, whether you accept that or not, great. Um, so I think the real research does come from underground. I know Mike has talked a lot about this as well. It's those sort of not out there, not giving their names who are doing this true research, and that's what counts. It's the information. It's not the people. Whenever skeptics say ufology is dead, it's because they're looking at the people involved. They're attacking the personalities and that's all it's based on. And in some ways, I don't blame them. There's a lot of charlatans out there, a lot of quote-unquote experts who say they have all the answers, like you said earlier. We cannot trust them. Um, So yeah, I think the real work is being done underground. Uh, It's being done independently and that comes with things like Terra Obscura, the Grail report into the fray you know um i'm gonna just keep naming them until you stop me but um again <laughs> that that's what it is it's civilians it's people on the ground who have experienced these things or are relaying that information that i think matter most i don't know how you feel well i mentioned that on my blog post when i talked about sort of the ideology of science and sort of whether you know ufology can fit into this ideology and and um you know I, I kind of ended it by saying that you know really it's the grassroots right that are going to make a difference right here it's those scientists and those thinkers and philosophers and theorists and, and whoever who are going to kind of they don't necessarily worry about existing on the fringe a little bit and and dealing with it and writing about it and thinking about it because ufology as much as much as science is needed it's a thinking man's game or a thinking woman's game um and uh, there definitely needs to be some some critical thought put into you know this this field um, that that has I don't want to say run amok but a little bit ha- has kind of run amok into um, like you said right the shows and and uh, the documentaries or you know uh, that, that try to make people money and, and whatever. That being said, on a side note, History Channel, if you do want to call me www.terraobscura.net you can just hit contact and i will take your money um you know but it's it's you know it's one of those things um you know it 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 gets that easy to become an expert right you know history channel gives you a a couple minutes of time and they put ufo expert on there and boom you're you're invited to congress and you're invited to set for life (laughs) all of the yes yes (laughs) and then your uh your hair just gets bigger and bigger funny i saw that meme on on facebook somebody posted it with the ancient aliens uh the hair it's really funny actually his hair does get bigger bigger every season it's oh yeah yeah (laughs) like he's getting sucked up by a ufo it's great it's it's beautiful (laughs) yeah oh man uh mj uh sort of to cap it off there is um you know do you see ufo activity decreasing I, I don't know about you man but like it seems like there are less and less of these big cases out there the last one i can really think of uh was chicago o'hare airport yeah. um and again i'm looking at it strictly from uh perhaps ignorant western eyes these things are happening all over the world obviously you know huge yeah. in china huge in brazil yeah. um even huge in canada you know being my northern neighbor i don't even hear about cases out of canada a lot and we're so focused on the united states when it comes to this topic um again do you see ufo activity um sort of waning um what does that say about us or what does it say about the phenomenon uh i I don't know what do you think you know i think there's a i think there's a couple things i mean you know one i think that a lot of ufo sightings um a lot, the vast majority of them, you know, obviously aren't anything interesting, right? They're, they're just natural phenomenon. Yeah. I think people generally are becoming a little more aware of what's out there in the skies, satellites, space stations, etc. Um, so I think we, you know, I think people are generally a little more 
are, are a little better educated as to what's going on. Yeah. Uh, not only that, the ability to access information on where the space station is at a given time or what stars are out there or whatever. You know, there's an app for your phone, right? Sky Watch or Sky View or whatever, right? That, that you can literally track what's um, going on live. You know, I think that really helps reduce a lot of sighting reports. Um, I also think, you know, sighting reports are, are sort of mythological in nature, right? They're ideological in nature. People are watching television. People are on Facebook. People are watching movies. People are, my cat just walked in the room. People are consuming media. It scared me, sorry. Um, people are consuming more media. And I think that the, you know, UFO sightings are, are becoming this, um, like, like myth that people believe in just like people used to believe in. I don't know, vampires and fairies and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that what we are losing, and I agree, you know, these massive sightings that sort of are the bread and butter of ufology, right? You mentioned Chicago O'Hare, which is such a great sighting that, you know, there's no evidence really to document it apart from witness testimony, but there's so many witnesses. Yeah. Um, and not only that, there's, you know, radar, or not radar, sorry, there's radio recordings of, of people talking to each other about it you know like i'm standing outside and staring at this thing and you can literally hear the conversation these people are having with each other um because there's all this all recorded that is a solid case and i you know i wish we had another one one of my favorite cases um that ever sort of occurred ever in history because i think that there is a lot of evidence in regards to it is the 2007 alderney ufo sighting which occurred over um the english channel um you had uh, a flight uh, a routine flight in 2007 um that was going across the English Channel, and this guy in his little plane with whatever twenty passengers sees, you know, these two objects um, just hovering there. And then, you know, he asks Tower or asks the Tower rather if there's, you know, if there's anything on radar. And sure enough, you know, the guy it's there on radar. And then wow. the radar operator asks for asks for another pilot who's in another aircraft if he has visual confirmation on this. And this guy's about 20,000 feet high, and he sees something, right? He records, yeah, I see this sort oh of shining God. object, right? And it's, it's this beautiful case where you, have, where you have about 20 people on board an aircraft see it, including the pilot. You have uh, a radar operator who gets several radar hits, and they're kind of ghosting, right? They're not a consistent hit. It's kind of in and out, but mm-hmm. enough that, you know, I, I get it. you get a ghost once in a while, but you know consistent radar ghosts over a short period of time. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, followed by confirmation from another pilot who is on a separate flight, you know, at a different altitude. I mean, this is one of those UFO cases that you know I wish we had another one for. You know what I mean? I wish one would pop up soon because this is one of those cases that that is just it's so unknown and the information and, and, and the details that are presented are all there. You have so many witnesses, you have radar, you have a second pilot. Like mm-hmm. you, this is one of those UFO cases where you kind of go, this is mind blowing. Like this, how does this happen? And how does no one sort of properly look into this? Yeah. Like how does, how does no government, I mean, maybe they do, who knows, you know, the British secret service, <laughs> MI6 or MI5 or whatever, right? you know, um, maybe they did look into it, but it, it, it's such a beautiful example of a case similar to Chicago O'Hare. Um, that you wish, you know, you could just wish you could be there for one. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you wish you could just be like, ah, I was there when it happened. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I, I do. I think that that sightings are are waning. I don't know. I think individual sightings will never wane. I think they'll probably go up and down. You know, the can, the Canadian UFO report that mm-hmm. Chris Rutkowski does. Um, you know, stats are up in Canada. Yeah, people are seeing more UFOs in Canada than than previous years. So you know, in Canada, I would say you know, obviously, at least the numbers say they're not going down. That's but, that's exciting. But I think, you know, in, people are getting smarter. People are, are, are being a little more critical about what they're seeing. People are able to check 
what oh, they're yeah. seeing. They don't have to see something and then write a letter and wait two weeks for them to get a response from some society that, you know, yeah, it was a meteor or not or, or whatever, right? You know, <laughs> this information is all instant. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I hope, I hope really what happens, because I deal with, like I said, I'm, I'm a MUFON field investigator, so I deal with a lot of Chinese lanterns and, and Venus and um, international <laughs> space stations flying by and people saying they're seeing UFOs. I, I really can't stress enough, you know, for people who do have a sighting, look online first, you know, go online and see, you know, was the space station over me at this time? Or was it a flight? You know, Flight Radar is a great website. It tracks flights live and you can go back a week to see, you know, if anything has was overhead at the time. Like these are the tools of the UFO investigator. And and I think people need to definitely sort of use them, whether underground for strange, you know, weather phenomena and stuff like that. These are great sites and tools that people can use to sort of track their own UFO sighting before making a report. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, people have mistaken the moon for a UFO, and you're kind of like, uh, you know, <laughs> we should have checked where the moon was at the time, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, honest mistakes happen as well. And you know what? I mean, that's that's the job of the field investigator, right, is to kind of get in there and try to find those mistakes in re- regards to actual sightings. Um, right, but- and I, I'm sure it makes your job more frustrating when it just turns out to be one of those things. But wouldn't you rather have someone report something possibly unknown than not reported at all, you know? You know, true. And But then it would kind of go back to the old, you know, we, what we started off this interview talking about, right, is, is can we actually figure out what it is? Yeah. yeah. You know? You know, we have Chicago O'Hare, like you said, you know, do we actually know what happened? Uh, or we have Alderney, the Alderney UFO sighting. I mean, do we actually know what happened? And can we prove it? Like, can we actually sit down and can science actually, you know, run through it and figure out what it was? No, of course not, right? Yeah. Burn, we, we can't. So <laughs> it's this weird catch-22. It really is, yeah. I mean, yeah. that that's a fascinating case, by the way, MJ. I see, and I've never heard of that one. And, and that's you know what? what it's about, you know? It's mind-blowing, and it's funny, because a lot of people haven't, because it's out of the UK, and it didn't get very much coverage, or very much... Pre- I mean, it did for, you know, the few weeks when it happened and, and whatever, but uh, apart from that, it, it's, it's like no one's really talking about these cases that are actually interesting. You know, I love the Roswell situation. Roswell's great, but, you know, what evidence really is there? And most of the evidence that we have is the evidence is missing. Yep. Or it was taken away by the powers that be. Whereas in, you know, the 2007 Alderney UFO sighting, none of that's missing, right? Nice. The radar hits are all out there. You can see them on the internet. You can watch the videos. You can literally see, you know, the the, the radar information. You can listen to the audio between all three or the two pilots and the radar and the radio tower, you know, you can hear witness tests. It's all public, right? No one has hidden anything. There's no data missing. There's no pieces of alien craft in some bunker somewhere. You know, like this is one of those cases where everything's out in the open. So anyone can investigate or anyone can look at it. And, and the data is good. You know, the data is generally good. That's incredible. I'm going to, I'm going to have to look into that one. Yeah. GTS that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wow. MJ, this, Thank you so much, man. It's been such a pleasure having you with us today. One more time, where can we find your work? TerraObscura.net. Oh, Thank man. you so much. This has been tons of fun, Ryan. Good. I'm glad you had a good time. Again, it's so, it's so exciting to have someone with such a fresh perspective um, who has some humility with the topic as well and is willing to go those lengths to tell their honest opinion, but also rely on the facts. So I have to thank you for what you've done for the field, uh, what you'll continue to do. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much.
Somewhere in the Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. To learn more, visit entertainmentonepodcast.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.